welcome or welcome back to Casual Debate, where we discuss topics from pop culture to politics from the point of view of various students. And in this episode, we'll be focusing on the Electoral College, which is pretty timely considering the time of recording this episode around the election. So I don't usually do this for episodes, but I'm going to be giving a little background and context as to what the Electoral College is, just so there's a bit of context as to what we're discussing. And so the Electoral College is how the United States votes for their president. And so it's a compromise of what the founders um, disagreed on, and some of them stated they wanted a popular vote and others wanted a congressional vote, and so it was a compromise of those two systems. And so each state has a set amount of electors uh, based on the number of representatives from the House as well as two from the Senate. For example, California has 53 um, representatives in the House of Representatives, and then they have two um, senators, and so they have 55 electoral votes. And so electors are the ones that vote for president. Uh, it's not a popular vote. And so when the general public votes, they vote for the electors that will cast the vote for the candidate. And so it's a winner-take-all system. So if, say, California were to be um, majority Democratic, which it usually is, then their votes will be going towards a Democratic candidate. And so that's kind of how the uh, United States votes for its um, president, and that's just a very simplified version of how it works, just to give a little bit of context for it. And so with that, let's get into the discussion. So joining, to, joining us in today's episode is Jeff. Say hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Right. And then we also have Wesley. Mahalo. That's thank you in Hawaiian. You really know the language, Wesley. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yes, okay, next. And then we also have Esther. Hi. And so today we're going to be discussing the Electoral College. And within that, we're just going to have one topic for this episode. It might be on the shorter end. And so we're just going to be discussing... Uh, what are our thoughts on the Electoral College? And do we think that it's fair or not? Is, does it represent the ideals of a de- democracy or republic? And should we be keeping it going forward? Okay. Uh, so my personal opinion on the Electoral College, I think that it is, at least for now, uh, a pretty... Uh, it doesn't represent the people's opinions as much as so as like versus something like a... Uh, overall popular vote of the people because let's say for example when you vote uh in california specifically let's use california as an example um sure 60 percent of people vote for a democratic party but you're not accounting for the other 40 percent of people that voted for republicans and so i also think it's really unfair that when a country like a swing state like uh florida uh has this like 51 point let's say 50 point one percent of voters chose republican and then 49.9 percent chose democrat it's unfair for the democrats here as they don't get the voice that they represent here and it's also giving a lot of unfair uh advantages to uh some selective states than others and for some states it doesn't even matter what they vote because um they don't have the power to kind of Uh, change what the state overall wants to kind of talk about and so something like california where as a republican you won't really have a voice there because the overall majority 
votes Democrat. And that's kind of a fact here. Um, and so, yes, again, I think that it's not a fair system, that it doesn't represent what the people want. And it brings unfair power to others more than so others. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think when I, when I think of the Electoral College, I believe that it was a system devised by our founders to have a direct link to the balance of powers within our states and within our union. And so I think the proponents who believe that a popular vote is preferable is, I, I think that's an incorrect idea in that, not incorrect in the, in the sense that it's wrong, but I disagree with it in the fact that most of our founders found that thought that direct democracy was uh, nothing but uh, a catastrophic idea. I mean, like one quote from like Thomas Jefferson would be like, a democracy is nothing more than mob rule, where 51% of the people may take away the rights of the other 49. And so like, we see this throughout, it's pervasive throughout most of the founding fathers' ideas in that they did not want a direct democracy. They wanted a democratic republic system where the states would thereby choose their president and use their electoral votes to get them into the presidency. And so it does have some flaws. I, it's obvious. It's not perfect. But I believe that its, it's basic foundation is very solid. And it has a... I mean, the only reason why we talk about this is because there have been the recent cases of the Electoral College not meeting the popular vote. But I think that stems more from our country being so divided, especially since it only happened five times in our history, in our in our entire nation's history, five times, and that was once where we it was a four way split, the other and the other four were just between the two parties, but one happened, two happened in this decade, and so I think that's the real divide in America. It's between how certain parties have gotten into power with less of votes and that's why it's a prevalent mm-hmm. issue that's i'm sorry right. for taking so much interestingly time. i feel like what really swings me the wrong way in the electoral college is that again to bring up california millions of people in california could vote for a republican candidate and they will not be represented and also what also um stands out to me is that some states have their votes count way more than individual votes for other states. For example, Wyoming or other smaller states get more votes than um, allocated by population. And therefore, it's kind of un... Uh, even in that sense, I understand that it's built to have the smaller states have more of a say in, in that um, states like California, New York, and Texas won't have all the votes. But again, it's kind of uh, an unequal in that way in my opinion. That makes sense. Um, again, just uh, you just overall, just I feel like this is a old system. I understand it's made from the founding fathers and that it's important for what they had to do for their country, but their time and our time are two very different times and those times have very different needs here. We're not in a country where we have slaves and we have the issue of counting if slaves are there. Everybody here has a voice. Everybody here deserves to have a voice. 
So I personally, again, I think that the best alternative is to literally take what we have here in the system already, the popular vote. That that mm. is a very I, that is a very good fix to this. As again, we have people. Everybody has a significant amount of power, and nobody has more power above others in the terms of voting. And one person can make or break uh, which candidate goes up first, um, and which president can presidential candidate will go down. And so, yes, that's what I personally think. Just put the popular vote there. Everything should be fine. The electoral college vote is good for when it's back in the day where the founding fathers created it, but now is no longer a viable option for the country. Well, I kind of agree with you, but also you have to count that how much educated these people are because the majority of voters are not exactly the best educated in government governmental affairs and politics and they don't really know exactly what each candidate is going to do for a country so the electoral college is like i guess it's like a protection system against ignorance because a lot of people are ignorant and if there's an ignorant decision made the electoral college who is knowledgeable on the issue can go in and correct it and sometimes it's biased but I mean, there's really no way to fix that, and it's better than having ignorant people vote. Wait, I do have oh, something yeah. to say, though. Okay. On, I believe that the system, I think what we have to allude to the fact is that when we speak of the Electoral College and the idea that it's an antiquated system, I believe that's simply false. And the fact that the statutory that we have today allows for the smaller states to have a higher voice because they, in a typical setting of a popular vote, would thereby be squandered and their voices be less heard. And you may say the proponent of one for one. But I, for the matter of fact, say that the states need to have representation because if the national state were, stage were to completely, completely absolve them of any discussion because of the fact that they are electorally unimportant, now would only cede more power to that of urban centers to that of high residencies, to that of high clustered populations, which would take away from the value that from that of lower populous areas that are very vital to the country's economy and to its populace and to the overall unity of our of our nation. Kind of going off from that, well of course like it's going to be it's going to give the popular vote is going to give a lot more power to the smaller states, but then it is also going to give the candidates a lot of difficulties in their in their campaigns like where do they focus on it's so hard for them to spread yeah. it out and so i think the electoral college is also a way for the individual campaigns to be too mm-hmm. well if you look at where the campaigns are they're usually in swing states and a lot of the times um candidates they don't really go to big cities they go to places where the votes count more and mm-hmm. it's, there's more uncertainty yeah and so i feel like candidates spend too much of their time in areas where it could swing the wrong way i understand that's where the cru- the crucible of the election holds place but a lot of the times that ignores other crucial parts of the nation correct and also that is another just another reason why i disapprove of this entire system because again they're not paying like as we are united states we have the name of united in our country's name so then why are 
if the system is worked like this, then that means that they're targeting a specific demographic. They're not targeting everybody. That doesn't mean that we're united anymore. Well, I don't. I I believe that. I think you bring up good points, Wesley. But I think that the fact of the matter is, is that we are United States, but we are comprised of different states. And so I believe the fact of that Congress rep- represents in a in a satisfactory way the larger states in a more proportional way nullifies the effect on that of the presidency because we do have a balance of powers. We do have three systems. We have the, ju- the judiciary, the executive, and Congress. And so Congress is, I believe, proportionally representative. And the presidency, although it may be disproportionate, it allows for the smaller states to have their vote, to have their vote, to have their say, and to be important to the country and be important to have their voices heard. I see. And that's really um, like a founding uh, principle of the United States, kind of states' rights in that um, kind of the smaller states would have their own rights. And should we keep that? That's. I just feel like, again, because um if yes yes sure you can sympathize with smaller states that quote don't have as much of a say but if you're going to devalue another person's opinion just to value another person's opinion i think that's the drawing line that should not be the case so to make things every to make everything even with everybody on a even playing field i think that's the right approach to a more healthier country if you will that means that presidents and candidates need to step up their game and not just say, oh, this, this state is checked. I don't need to worry about that. As a, at least for me, uh, as a president's value, you must account for everybody. in the. You want to try and incorporate all the states inside of a decision, and you're fighting for everybody, not just for your party, nor is it just for just – a specific amount of states, if you will. Well, I believe, I think Wesley brings up another good point, but I think the fact of the matter remains is that when you see, the reason why we see that a large portion of the popular vote isn't affecting our elections is because of the fact that we as a nation are so divided and divisive between that of the rural and urban centers or urban areas of our country, like that of California and New York and then you have the difference between like Montana and Wyoming. And so when we see those two differences, we see that in most of the time, in most of the cases, pre-2000, it was usually that the president won the popular vote, won most of the people and the electoral college. I think that just more plays into our division of the nation, our division as a nation today, and why the electoral college, although works, it it works in the sense that it, it it depends on a on a mindful public and an educated public and although we do have edu- decent education in our country it seems we have been divided and we have been put against each other more than ever before in our history mm-hmm. i i do understand your points and i do understand the concern but at least from what i think to be a if if we all work together and try and be the most fair for everybody as possible. But that's the thing, mm-hmm. working together. That's not something that's exactly a tenable. Right yeah, now for humans country. specifically, that does make sense. It's just the, it just really boils down to 
again, going back to the Electoral College, um, should we have a direct democracy versus a democratic republic? And that's just the heart of the issue. Should we have, you know, a direct vote or should we have people vote for us? When the people, sometimes they're uninformed, especially in today, even though it's the information age and we have all these computers and stuff, um, we have fake news, wonderful, and makes it very hard to get uh, specific policy, specific debates and things in uh, a very objective manner and a very, you know, straight to the facts thing. Uh, again, circling back to one of our previous episodes, it's pretty harmful to voters. Yes. And that's kind of like a pro in terms of the Electoral College. But really, what makes the electors of the Electoral College more qualified than some other people? Again, I know they're chosen for a reason, but my, ra- my main kind of struggle with a republic, even though eh, it's pretty good to begin with, what makes some people more qualified to vote than other people? And what makes other people not qualified enough to just vote? Mm-hmm. I just don't like the concept of a swing state because again that's giving a ton of power to a state and whoever votes um into um into the system if you will um it's not a good again not a good representation of what the people want Uh, the the united states is a democratic republic and in that if a few states represent the whole nation that's isn't that that's not really a republic exactly <laughs> there you go well i think i think i think in my own opinion when we see the idea of swing states i believe that it plays into the importance that certain states that wouldn't otherwise not be valued get more attention and that in a sense puts up checks put checks and balances on the presidency so to ensure that if he wishes to win again then he'd have to necessarily, or he or she would have to keep the union together and keep states that could otherwise, in a popular vote, be ignored, be included and representative in a higher manner than they they will probably for the next four years. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to, you know, a popular vote versus uh, an electoral college type system. If you're going back to a popular vote, I feel like, the will of big states would dramatically dwarf, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Wyoming, and put them in not enough say to say um, what they want. And it's kind of like the swing states in where all a couple states hold all the power, but in a a different way because of population this time. I think everybody, everybody (laughs) kind of just agreed on it. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of bad, but it's kind of good. So. Just like freaking. I mean, that's why it's still there. I mean, if it was bad, it would have been removed. <laughs> I mean, it's worked for at least a while. And it's worked this long. Oh, 28th Amendment, guys. Just kidding. Instead of the election, like, we should, of course, we should focus on the election, but we should be focusing more towards local policy, like in California. Like I said before, the 17 year old voting proposition. Let's talk about the propositions. Yeah, we had a okay, local okay, proposition yeah. in Chino Hills too. I think it was Measure M. Let's talk about like for hotel tax. We should be more paying more attention to that and bringing more awareness because this affects us more than, I mean, if not more than equally as 
federal rule. Um, any specific propositions or measures you guys want to? I I haven't looked into a lot of the local, re- real local uh, propositions like the one in Shinohills. I think that's the thing. We maybe are what is what is the proposition and is it what kind of significance does it yes. really have? Try and give it as unbiased as. How about okay, Prop eighteen, Prop eighteen. <laughs> that's not that. Wait, what's what's Prop eighteen? I I literally haven't been looking. Allow age seventeen. Oh, they should have had this as Prop seventeen. Allow age seventeen <laughs> primary voters. Should 17-year-olds seven, be able to vote in a general election? Yes or no? No, because I feel like, okay, I feel like the whole thing is when you turn 18, you start paying taxes, you start taking responsibility, you contribute to the community, you start working, whatever, and that kind of earns you the right to vote. Like mm-hmm. I know it's right, but you kind of have to contribute to your community too. I think that it's okay. most. I think it mostly it's that uh, when you turn eighteen, you are eligible. Well, at least males are eligible for the draft, and you have to take up certain civic duties, and so you should be able to have your say. Whereas when you're sixteen, you don't. You're not abided by a contract to necessarily fulfill civic duties. So that is where the interpretation of having a sixteen-year-old vote when, you know. Why, why, what's the word? It's, it's a very, uh, not 16, 17 year old, oh my goodness. But it's just the idea that, you know, when, when is it too young? When is it too young and when is it too old? And so you have that big debate, but I really think that 18 is a good hit because they're out of the house, they're adults. I hope they're and, out of the house. <laughs> well, I mean, even if they're not, like they have like responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, have their civic do- things, civic duties. Exactly. That's when you're a legal adult. But to kind of play the devil's advocate here, I feel like it would at least kind of open 17-year-olds to be more interested in politics. Ideally, would that ever happen? Would this um, happen? Mm, I don't know. But um, to play the devil's advocate again, it might allow 17-year-olds to be kind of more interested in voting in politics. But, you know, how different is a 17-year-old from an 18-year-old? How different is a sixteen-year-old from a seventeen-year-old? Exactly. How different? I think is like any age. Yeah. It should, it should be in reverse order. Like when civic civic engagement is more popular popularized among young students, then they should be allowed to vote because right now they're going to be they're going to make stupid decisions. I mean, uh, but then it also comes with the fact that um, there is there have been ideas. Well, at least I think there they have that deserve merit is that. Um, that the student, if they're most likely within the parameters of their 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 parents, who could technically find a way to like coerce them into voting for a certain party, and so that would that could be a problem if they were seventeen. Of course, that could still be a problem when they're eighteen, but you'd at least hope that they'd have some level of autonomy, whereas a seventeen-year-old may not. Because mm-hmm. eighteen is really where. It all happens in terms of, again, legal adulthood, and I keep on repeating myself, but you know, 18-year-olds are legally, they have more rights, legally. I think, I think something else is, like, we 17-year-olds, well, next year, are the primary stakeholders in education, so... We kind of deserve a say in our education, like even if it's not everyone that's receiving education. Maybe I, th- 
I feel like the 17 year olds would kind of be representative of the student population who is greatly affected by education. And that's ideally. And, you know, not every 17, 18, you know, teen in general is concerned with politics, is concerned with um, local governance. And uh, again, going back to what I said earlier, I keep on repeating myself, but, um, you know, should we give the people the right to vote wholly and like, you know, in a popular vote? And in this case, it's just opening it up. I'm going to cut this out, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. But then if you're talking about people not being interested in politics, so are adults. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think teenagers are actually more interested in politics than adults are because we kind of have more time to focus on that stuff while adults are busy worrying about adult Again, stuff. But um, if you allow 17-year-olds or younger to vote, um, especially on things like taxes, if they don't really pay taxes, should they be able to vote on stuff like that that they don't even participate in? Again, that could apply to adults as well. Should they be able to vote on education? That's a little bit different because that's their kids, but you know, it's it's kind of stuff that they're not, in, not involved in uh, yet. All right, guys. So I think that wraps up the discussion for this uh, episode. Thank you to guys. Uh, thank you to you guys who came today. I got you. It was a good discussion. So again, thank you. To conclude the episode, I want to thank our guests again for taking time out of their day and joining me on the podcast to discuss this topic and. Thank you to the listeners for staying around this long. Even though I said it was going to be a shorter episode, it was a little longer than I'd hoped, so thank you for sticking around. A casual debate was made as a part of the Bark Podcasting Network, which is a student-run organization of podcasters from Chino Hills High School. If you want to support the, bod- the Bark Podcasting, please check out our Instagram at chhspodcasting.com or visit our website where you can access all of the network's original podcast series, and we will be updating this with the new podcast from this year. And something new that Casual Debate has specifically is a YouTube channel, and it's for those who prefer listening to podcasts on YouTube, so we'll be updating those with all of our new episodes when they come out. We also have an Instagram. We made it a long time ago, um, but it's revived now, and we will be posting new updates for when new episodes come out on there and that's at casualdebate.podcast.chhs and links to all of these things will be in the description if you're interested in checking them out and thank you for all the support and stay tuned for the next episodes to come